You might find this surprising about me, but from time to time on social media, I intentionally post stuff just to fire people up. Shocker, I know. Most of the time, it's when it's non-event season, I'm bored and need a little action, a little drama in my life. But then every once in a while, I'll post something that I have no intention of firing people up over, and it fires everybody up. I made a post the other day that I thought was just common sense, that just made sense to me, and people lost their minds, and no one wanted to fight with me publicly. They all wanted to fight with me privately. And I posted recently that we're raising children who are growing up never having thrown a punch, never having taken a punch. And people got mad. Told me I was condoning violence, or I was encouraging violence, excuse me, that I was barbaric. That I was what was wrong with the world. Jesus came to bring blah, blah, love. And I'm not condoning fighting. But there's something powerful that happens, especially for young boys, when they just get punched in the face. It's almost a rite of passage, if you will. There's something powerful that happens, especially in young boys, the first time you throw a punch. Who remembers, men? It's Action Church, the ladies too. Remembers your first fight. Remembers your first fight. Yeah. I was about seven years old. I was in the Playland at McDonald's. Anybody remember the Playland? Yeah. I'm old school. This is back when it was like a starship, and it had the big hamburger thing you climbed up in. Minding my own business, going about whatever it was I was doing, probably trying to get to the slide because that was the ultimate goal. When you got inside the Playland, you went through all the obstacles, and you slid down, and you did it again. Minding my own business... And an older kid, about probably two or three years older than me, comes up to me and pushes me down. Never been pushed down before. I didn't know this kid, didn't understand it. I look over at my dad, and my dad had seen the entire thing. And I'll never forget my dad looked at me and clear as day, he mouthed these words, shake it off and go play. Yes, sir. I'm playing in the playland. At this time, I have made it to the white spaceship. Remember, spaceships were big back then, and I'm looking out the hole. And this kid comes up to me again and pushes me down. I hit my head this time, and it hurt, and I'm embarrassed now. And I look over at my dad. My dad gives me a motion sideways with his head like, just move on and play. Two times. I make it down the slide. I'm about to get back in, and there's only one way in, one at a time. And the kid pushes me down again. I fall, and I split open my lip. 
and I'm bleeding now. I get up, probably have tears in my eyes. I'm super embarrassed. Kid's bigger than me. And I look over at my dad, and I'll never forget, because this is not my dad's personality. As clear as day, he looked at me and said, take him out. I was on the ground. He was standing over me, and I shot up, and I hit the kid right here on my shoulder, took him down in a takedown, and I mounted him, and I began to punch him. I'm sure they were not powerful punches. I was seven years old. But I hit him about five or six times before that kid's parents could get up and jerk me off the kid. My dad stood up, walked over, simply looked at me, never acknowledged the parents, and said, come on, it's time to go. I remember the walk to the car. I remember the car. I say I remember the car now. I don't know if I remember the car. Was there a Ford Aerovan? Was that what it was called? An Aero, Aerostar. My parents had an Aerostar. It was two-tone, baby blue and navy blue. I remember that because I remember staring at the car the whole time thinking, when I get in that car, it's about to be on. I assumed I was in trouble. We got in the car, and you need to understand something about my dad. My dad is about as laid-back hippie as they come. If it was possible to be a stoner without smoking weed, my dad would be that person. My dad loves everybody. He's the most chilled-out, laid-back person you'll ever meet. So basically, he's the exact opposite of me. We get in the car, he shuts the doors, and he says something to me at six years old that at 46, so 40 years later, I still remember. He said, son, we don't look for fights. He he said, matter of fact, son, I live with the mindset that even when a fight finds me, I'm walking away if I can. I shake my head, and I think that's the end of it. I think, man, I was supposed to walk away. He said, however, son... There are times, and I'll never forget the next phrase. He said, there are times, especially as a man, you have no choice but to fight. And again, my dad, probably the most passive person I've ever met, said, in those moments, you fight for all that you are. And he said, you do not stop fighting until they stop moving or someone pulls you off of them. We're launching a new series today called Warrior. I think it might be one of the most important series we've ever done. Because I think we live in a day and time where we have forgotten that we're in the middle of a fight. We live in a day and time where those who are willing to fight are now looked down upon. They're barbaric. They're uneducated. They think with their fists and not their minds. And to be a warrior, to be one who stands when something needs to be stood for, is seen as a weakness in the woke society that we live in. The reality is there are times you're going to have to fight. Fight. 
The reality is there are things that are worth fighting for. We live in a day and time where we have literally neutered men and women. And they're no willing, they're no longer willing to fight for something. And when you won't fight for something, in the words of the great theologian Aaron Tippins, you'll fall for anything. We're raising children who we have protected so much and babied so much. I remember in my previous church, the lady that was on my staff came to me and she said, I need to talk to you. It was a Sunday morning. I said, what's the problem? She said, we have a situation in the kids' area. And I said, what's the situation? She said, well, I, I, I don't guess there's anything wrong with it. And she's the mother, but it's awkward and I don't know what to do about it. And I said, okay, well, you haven't told me what's happening. Well, she said, there's a mom of a second grader who needs to get in and breastfeed her child. And I said, she needs to do what? Listen, you breastfeed them until they're 15, but when they're walking up and undoing your blouse, it's probably time to stop. But I remember literally being like, what? And I said, well, that's her son. Can you put up a curtain? Can we set it all up? And I remember literally being almost horrified at that. (laughs) But we're raising a generation, some of them grown adults that are still breastfeeding. Wouldn't know how to survive in the real world if their life depended on it. We're raising a generation who have no desire to get out and live on their own and live their life. Why do that when they can live in mommy and daddy's basement and play video games all day? The Bible says, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother. But we baby children so much. I go out and I go off with friends and watch them baby their kids, and I'm shocked. It's funny. We parent our kids, and everybody, man, y'all are hard on your kids. We're not hard on our kids. My kids got it easy. But I understand the goal in parenting. Some of you have missed this. The goal in parenting is very simple: it's to raise your children. To leave. That's the goal. To leave. It's your job to prepare them to leave. But we have no warriors anymore. We have no one who wants to fight anymore. So my prayer through this series is some of you realize it's time to fight. That you're sick and tired of being pushed around. Because make no mistake about it, as a Christ follower, we're the outlaws in this country now. We're the hunted now in this country. We live in a country that doesn't want to stand on biblical views anymore. And when you stand on biblical views, you're old-fashioned and you're outcast. And I don't make no mistake about it, a lot of what we call biblical views are old-fashioned and outcast. But there's some things you can't get away from. And we need some people who are willing to fight. 
There's a battle that has been raging, and we've been standing on the sidelines. I don't know what the battle is for you today. But some of you are battling a battle that maybe is a battle of an addiction, and you're losing. I buried a girl yesterday, 28 years old, five-year-old daughter, who lost her dad to addiction in December, lost her mom to addiction this week. Because we don't want to fight anymore. We don't have the testicular fortitude. That's balls if you live in Pickens County. Who want to stand up and say enough is enough. Maybe you have a relationship. Maybe your marriage needs mending and it's worth fighting for. We live in a day and time where we just give up instead of fighting. Always amazed we see our grandparents or whoever and they hit 50 years old. Oh, I want to be like them. Man, look at the love they have. Make no mistake about it, they have love. I get it. But you don't think they went through things in that 50 years of marriage? The difference is they didn't have social media. They didn't post about their drama. You ain't going to like this. They didn't have somebody from high school that could slide into their DMs and tell them how great they were. And they're always great when you don't live with them. We need some people who are willing to fight for their marriage. We need some people who are willing to fight for their finances. I am convinced the single greatest thing you can do to live the life you were created for is to get your finances in order. Most of you cannot chase your dreams simply because you cannot afford to chase your dreams. You can't step out on faith because the car notes do. The house you can't afford is due. The four-wheeler you didn't need, payment is due. Hell, you financed your couch. And now you're in a job you hate, miserable, living less than what God created you for because, man, you're not willing to fight for your finances. Some of it is our physical health we need to fight for. Maybe you have a temptation and you need to fight to bring that temptation into submission. What I'm telling you today is it's time that we take control of our lives and we allow the warrior that God created in us to move to the forefront. We need some warriors. We need some people who are willing to fight. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about this. We're going to talk a lot about this. And, I, and I'm going to be honest with you because you might find this surprising, but I'm a man. Therefore, I'm going to probably talk to the men a little bit more over the next four weeks. Ladies, don't check out. You'll want to be here. You'll thank me at the end of the series. But I'm also going to hit on you women. I might even let Christine preach. I'm not going to let her preach. Not during this series. Now, I tried to tell her she could preach. You don't listen. You don't want this to be Christine's first series. You women could not handle that. You cheer now, she'd rip you a new one. 
Don't worry, ladies, I'm not going to forget about you. I'm not minimizing women. Let me tell you something. You won't find a more powerful warrior than a praying woman. You get a mama bear mad and you see a warrior. I'm going to talk more to the men, though, because I believe if there was ever a war raging, it's the battle of masculinity. We've made that an ugly word. Toxic masculinity. And do I believe there's toxic masculinity? Yeah. But I believe about 2% of what we put under that heading is toxic masculinity. It's almost like we should be ashamed of being a man. God, I'm going to dread this. And God forbid you're a white man in America. Four of you understood that. The rest of you won't be back, and I'm okay with that, because we'll start over with four. That's how passionate I am about this subject. There's a lot of confusion in today's culture of what it means to be a man. Are we supposed to be powerful? Are we supposed to be gentle? Are we supposed to be strong? Are we supposed to be weak? And the answer to all those is yeah. I mean, as you look at Jesus, (laughs) it should be as no surprise that we've neutered men. Because if the church is guilty of anything... It's guilty of neutering Jesus. When I was growing up, the church portrayed Jesus as this meek, mild, poor Galilean who was good walking around with little sheep and kids. You ever seen the pictures of Jesus? Like he had the best perm in the world. I always find it funny that this Middle Eastern man was always so white with blue eyes in all the pictures. I get my beard because I'm bougie like that. I get my beard trimmed once a week, and Jesus had a better trimmed beard than I did in the pictures. And he wore a beautiful purple sash. You know my favorite thing about Jesus in all the old paintings is when he's riding the donkey or a horse, and they have him riding it side saddle like a woman would ride it. That's the Jesus the church has created. Because if we talked about the rebel that Jesus was, if we talked about the outlaw that Jesus was, if we talked about the anti-establishment that Jesus was, if we talked about the anti-religion that Jesus was, Oh my God, the men in the church might try to be like Jesus and we couldn't control them. So the church began to water down Jesus. And God and Jesus were love, and make no mistake about it, they were love. But we've mistaken love for not willing to speak the truth. Jesus was also the one who was willing to go flip over tables in the church when he found something wrong. There's a great story in the Bible. I'll get to that story in a minute.
We've watered down Jesus. And as a result, we've watered down his followers. Jesus had the heart of a warrior. He gave his life on a cross for mankind. And as such, we're made in his image. We were created with the heart of a warrior. We're going to look at the nature of God over the next couple of weeks. God's unique. You just can't put him in a box. I mean, you look through the Bible, you hear me talk about this all the time. He is, I am that I am. He was the shelter. He's a hiding place. He's a great fortress. He's called our rock. But over and over and over, you'll see that he's called a warrior. In fact, the word of God says this in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. I don't understand the Bible. It's really complicated. Let me break this down for you. The Lord, that's the big man up there, is, that means he currently still is, a warrior. You can water down the word warrior all day long. But a warrior is a warrior. The Bible says it, that's the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament, Matthew 10. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He was willing to come and do whatever it took, even if it means the Bible talks over and over in the gospel about how the gospel was forcefully advanced. In order to bring about peace through Christ, God knew there'd have to be some battles along the way. Contrary to popular belief, peace is fought for. It doesn't just happen. There's a really, really powerful, I kind of call it cocky, but I don't, I don't think Jesus was cocky. I, I think he was just so bad A that it looked cocky sometimes. But in Luke chapter 4, he's teaching, and the crowd didn't like his message. They thought he was being blasphemous. And so this big angry mob, they charged Jesus, and they essentially, if you read the story, they begin to push him backwards almost to the edge of a cliff, actually to the edge of a cliff. And Luke says in the book of Luke, they were about to push him over the edge of the cliff when all it says is we know Jesus turned around and he looked at the crowd. And when he turned around... This crowd that was angry, that was about to push him over the edge, that had him outnumbered, when he turned around, he had some look in his face that suddenly the crowd stopped and the crowd parted. That's a bad dude. That's a tough dude. I, I, I like to picture him because, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. I picture him like he didn't have no sleeves. I don't know if he put up his things. I got grace and truth where you can get grace. You're about to get truth. I don't know what he said. But he turned around and he had a look in his eyes. And everybody got out of the way. He was a warrior. Ultimately, he fought and won the most important battle in the history of the world. He fought and conquered sin. When Jesus was obedient to God, he gave his life on the cross. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. He defeated the grave where we can live forever. Make no mistake about it. He's a warrior. Revelation 19 talks about how he's coming back. John said he had a vision of a returning warrior. He said, I saw heaven standing open, and there was a white horse. 
whose rider was called Faithful and True. It's Christ on the horse. The Bible says his eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. It says coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. That's a God ready for battle. That's a warrior. That's a God we're singing about. That's a God we're shouting about. That's a God we're following. That is a God worth modeling. The thing that was so amazing about Jesus, he knew when to love, and he knew when to fight, and even when he fought, he fought out of love. See, we're extremists. We think if we love, we can't fight, and we think if we fight, we can't love. I have learned the older I get that living a Christ-filled life is all about walking that balance beam. We can't do that. Some of you fight all over social media, but you forgot the love part. And then some of you love and you forgot, man, just because you're loving doesn't mean you have to go along with everything and agree with everything and not take a stand. Sometimes you got to fight. So as warriors, we have to learn that. A warrior doesn't fight just to fight. Make no mistake about that. But a warrior's willing to fight. What's the old saying? Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. The key to being a warrior is not fighting all the time. The key to being a warrior is knowing when to fight and when it's time to fight, how to fight properly. It's time for some of you to fight. Men, it's time for some of you to start being men again. It's time for some people as men to start leading again. Do not interpret that as me saying men are better than women and women should be in some little submission to their wife. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean the man ought to be the dictator of the home. That's not what I'm saying. But I can't help but think one of the problems in our society and one of the reasons we're no longer raising warriors is because men are no longer leading. They're more interested in making sure they don't miss the sporting event than leading. They're more interested in making sure, man, they got time to go fit. I ain't against fishing, but I'm saying instead of leading. Hey, they'd rather sit. I saw something that blew my mind. It said the average male American under 32, between 18 and 32, spends 22 hours a week playing video games. What? I don't get that. Because we've conditioned them to do that. You know how I know we've conditioned them to do that? Because we have every video game you could ever have in our house. But I have a 10-year-old boy who is not forced to do this, but plays outside about six hours a day, plays with the neighbor kids. I listen to him playing football and fighting. He could give two rips about playing video games. Because we've created him to be a warrior. Now, because he's a warrior, does that mean he's not going to get jacked? He's fixing to play football for the first time. I can't wait. Listen, I'm probably the only dad we talk about all the time. I can't wait to somebody cold cocks him one good time and lays him out. Say, why? Because he needs it. 
I cannot wait for him to get pancaked. You know why? Because he'll learn more lessons in getting pancaked than he will at any other time. And oh, by the way, I'm not anti-video games. What I'm saying is we've allowed all these things to become our gods and we're no longer leading. We have a society where there are no leaders and the ones that we are calling leaders should not be leaders because we're afraid of getting canceled if we lead. We're afraid of getting blackballed if we lead. We're afraid of people not liking us if we lead. The Bible never says it's our goal to be liked by everyone. We need some people that want to lead, that want to take a stand, that are willing to fight when there's a fight that needs to happen. We're warriors. And the goal in training warriors is to hopefully they never have to fight. But when the fight comes, at least they're ready. I'm going to give you a couple of things today, and this is just the foundation we're going to build on. First thing I want you to know this is we all have someone to protect. That's why we need to be warriors. We all have someone to protect. Every single person here, men and women, has someone in their life that God has put in your life to protect. And the problem is we think protecting them is babying them. Spoon-feeding them, breastfeeding them when they're still in second grade, coddling them, never letting them fall, never letting them fail. The best thing that can ever happen to your kids in life growing up is they fail. That's how they learn. You don't learn on the mountaintop. You don't learn when you're winning. You learn when you're getting your teeth kicked in. Our daughter has hit the age where she's dating. And man, I got it. Man, it's hard for me. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's hard for me. It's not comical to me. It's not laughable to me. It enrages me. I watch these loser punk-ass boys come into her life that I can see 100 miles away. And oh, by the way, all of them are that way. Don't matter if they're perfect. Because they're dating my daughter. And I watch the breakups happen. And I watch her get hurt. And everything that is in me wants to shelter her from it. But I can't. She's got to learn. She's got to learn to make the right decision. She's got to learn. She can't be Captain Save-A-Hoe. <laughs> and here's the deal. I wanted to learn at 15 where she's not learning at 30. I want my son to get flattened on a football field because I want him to know no matter how good you are, there's always someone better. I want him learning those lessons. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and he's old, he will not depart from it. The problem is we're no longer leading our kids and training our kids. We're trying to be our kids' best friends. I don't need any more friends. And they don't need any more friends. They got thousands, hundreds of friends. 
They got one set of parents. I told you you weren't going to like me after this. But we got someone to protect. I love the story of Nehemiah. He's advancing. If you don't know Nehemiah was called, he was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And he was called and they were advancing and the enemies came along and they tried to stop the work. And this guy named Sam Ballot, this guy named Geshem, this guy named Tobiah came along and they're, high, they're hurling insults at Nehemiah. And when you decide to do something great for God, people will hurl insults at you. Take it to the bank. Don't get discouraged by it. Get encouraged by it. I get worried if they're not criticizing me. If they're not criticizing me, I think I must be doing something wrong. If the religious like what I'm doing, then I know it's not what God called me to do. And they're doing these and they're hurling at him. And Nehemiah has this brave heart moment. And look what he says in Nehemiah. He gathers everybody. He said, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Screw them. Forget them. He said, remember the Lord. Remember who we serve who was great and who was awesome. And he said, you fight for your families. You fight for your sons. You fight for your daughters. You fight for your wives. And you fight for your homes. I'm telling you, there's a war raging on the home in America, and you better be ready to fight. You can bow and knee like everyone else, or you can stand up and say, enough's enough. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is our job, first of all, to protect those people physically. You need to get up off your sofa and realize there's times that physically you've got to fight. You need to fight for the purity of your home. You need to fight for the generosity of your home. You need to fight for the victory. You need to fight for the righteousness. God has given you someone to protect, and you need a little, you, you just need to protect, you need some motivation. I'm going to give you two things that will change your life when it comes to motivating for you to protect. Are you ready? Read the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was all about protecting. Okay? So we're going to read Jesus, and then go watch every Liam Neeson movie there ever was. You talk about typecast, man. Taking one, he was fighting for his family. Taking two, he was fighting for his family. Taking three, he was fighting for his family. He was fighting for his family in the commuter. Uh, the cold pursuit, he's fighting for his family. The guy needs a new role. So listen, Jesus and Liam Neeson, go fight for your family. I also want to address this as I'm talking about a warrior. Being a warrior has nothing to do with being some loud mouth testosterone meathead. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I was a meathead because I wish I had some muscles. I don't. That's society's definition of a man. A man's just a man who's willing to stand up and fight. You ain't got to be six foot three to fight. Matter of fact, the worst I ever got my tail whooped was by a little guy. Beat the tarnation out of me one time when I was about 17 years old. I'm not talking about the macho man. Because so many times, that's just a shield for their insecurity. You just got to be willing to fight. Got to be willing to do what it takes to fight. Listen to me, it's inside of you. 
I'm talking about someone comes after your daughter. I'm talking about you get up out of bed with your tidy whities on and you're ready to go to war. You come after my family, you'll see redneck like you've never seen before. You might whoop me, but you're going to know you've been in a fight. We need some warriors. Not only do we protect physically, we need to protect emotionally. Man, this is where I want to hit on you for a minute. This is where we really lack. Because every guy's like, ah, yeah, physically I'll fight. Most of you won't. Matter of fact, those that brag the most about that they will, I got a couple of buddies in my life, man, that literally their home could be a gun store. And I always laugh. I say, man, when it breaks loose, I'm just going to their house because they talk a big game. They ain't going to put down the Cheetos long enough to fire any of those guns. But we drop the ball emotionally. It's our job as men to protect our families. I think one of the great tragedies in our day and throughout history is there's so many women who have been abused by the power of men gone wrong. Men mistake power as dictatorship. They mistake leadership as dominating. There should never be a woman or a child in the presence of a man that should feel anything but safe. Never. It's hard, guys, but when your wife comes to you and she's upset and she wants to talk about her feelings, now my marriage is the opposite. I want to talk about my feelings. Christine has to listen. I'm the emotional one. That you listen. And the best thing you can do, what is it you always tell me? Listen to hear. Oh, listen to hear instead of listening to respond. I mean, we're bad about that. Just listen. Did you know sometimes, man, the best thing you can do to fight for your family emotionally is just to shut up and listen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Even when I don't get it. Okay. See, the problem with me is we want to fix it. We're fixers. Sometimes they don't need fixing. They just need to be able to pour out on you and know that they're emotionally safe to come to you. We've messed up that role. Not only should we be willing to protect our family physically, but we ought to be willing to protect our family's heart. Meaning, I'm going to live my life in a way that has integrity. She doesn't have to worry about me. She feels safe. We're going to protect them emotionally. You know, men, I'm going to get on to you real quick here. We need to protect them financially. The number one thing women need in their life, over and over studies show, is they need to feel financially stable. I didn't say they need to feel rich. I didn't say they need to have thousands upon thousands of dollars. Let me tell you something. If your wife is stressing over, I mean, I'm going to piss you off. If your wife is stressing over finances, men, you're failing. You're failing. Women have taken leadership roles that they never wanted. Because they look across the house and know that person I'm married to, I love him, but they'll never lead. By the way, 
You can be in a marriage where the woman makes three times more than the man. She's still looking to the man to make sure they're taken care of financially. That he's going to lead the house financially. That he's going to make sure that things are taken care of. There's times two years ago when Christine was traveling, she was making way more money than me. Awesome. But it was still my responsibility to make sure we're taken care of financially. When women don't feel like they have financial security, guess what happens? There's tension. So I want to lead my family financially. The greatest thing, I, I, I'm in a position, I don't say it in a brag way, so I'm in a position where liquid money and our liquid cash, we probably have more than we've ever had. I love to give my wife updates, not in a bragging way. But I remember when I used to call her and be like, man, hey, uh, go be smart with groceries this week. I remember nine years ago, I was like, hey, we're good. All the bills are going to get paid, but man, we probably don't need to go out to eat this week. I remember when she would call and I'd be like, yeah, maybe we need to get those shoes in two weeks. We'll be fine. We, we've never been broke necessarily, but we've been tight. And we might be tight again. But I love being able to call her and I say, hey, here's where we are financially. Boom, 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 boom. I don't want you to worry about it. We've got this coming in and this coming up, and man, we are great right now. You want to change your marriage? Provide financial security. It's amazing to watch. My wife didn't have that for years in her previous marriage. And it's amazing to watch. So when we got married, that was something she brought in, the baggage of that. It's amazing to watch that lift off her. We need to protect financially. Men, you ain't going to like this one either. We need to protect spiritually. Men, it's time for some of you to start leading spiritually. I'm glad you're here because it's Mother's Day day and she asked you to be here. Good for you getting out of bed once a, month, once a year. We do this again in seven days. And your wife is waiting for you. My wife, she's always got to ask you. She's because she doesn't respect you. She won't tell you she don't respect you. So let me enlighten you. She don't respect you. She's waiting for you to lead spiritually. She wants to see you lead in the things of God. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not, the, I'm not the, my wife because me all the time. I hate it. Hey, can we start praying together? And I do it five or six days and I get busy and I don't. I had to put it in my calendar. We're going to start our week every Sunday night in prayer. And we did it for two weeks and last week we got busy and didn't do it. And guess what? That wasn't her fault. It was my fault. If I'm not beating you up, I'm guilty of it too. We need to lead spiritually. And when you lead spiritually, you protect spiritually. They ought to see you in the Word of God. They ought to see you up on Sunday morning excited about coming to church. Ran to a guy the other day at a festival. He comes to a bunch of my events. He was here for wrestling Friday night. He said, hey, man, I was at your event in Cartersville. I said, man, that's awesome. He said, man, I was in line to get eliminated, and this lady behind me invited me to church, invited us to church. I said, well, that's cool, man. He said, yeah, my... My wife and them been going for two weeks. They're joining the church this Sunday. So that's awesome. What about you? Oh, uh, uh, 
I said, I bet she'd appreciate it if you led in that area. Funny how quick, you think the show's going to be good tonight? He changed, he changed the subject quick. He didn't want to have that discussion. But he needed to have that discussion. So we're going to protect our family physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. I know that's a hard pill to swallow for some of you men that are used to your wife leading and your wife taking care of everything. But listen, it's time for you to step up and be the leader. You want to change your marriage? Listen, listen, I had a guy come to the day and said, man, my wife never wants to have sex. I said, that's an issue. Big fan of sex. God created it. The pieces fit together, who am I to argue? Probably one of the best things he ever created. Like the icing on the cake of life. Wrote a whole book in the Bible about it, the Song of Solomon. Wait, listen, here's what he told me. He said, it's been 14 months. I'll be, no. I said, that's a problem. I said, talk to me about some things. So we start talking, and talking about him leading, and talking about their finances, and talking about his walk with God. Man, they were on the verge of bankruptcy because, man, he was on his seventh job in two years. Always the boss's fault, not his. They're idiots. <laughs> yeah, right, they're leading multi-million dollar companies, but they're idiots, gotcha. Couldn't tell me the last time he'd read his Bible. Actually had his wife called her talking to another person and just blew it off. You know what she was looking for to do? She was looking for to go whoop that dude. I looked at him and said, here's the problem with you and your wife. You ready? Literally, we're standing up because I need you to sit down. I said, your wife's not having sex with you because she don't respect you. She looks at you and finds you weak. She really doesn't even want to be married to you, but you have kids together, and she doesn't want to disrupt her kid's life. You're a joke to your wife. He's crying. You said you told him that? Yeah, I told him that. You know why? Because he needed to hear it. He said, what's that got to do with sex? I said, listen, let your wife know you're going to meet her emotional needs. I said, start providing for your family financially. I said, start leading your family. And I said, man, she'll drop those panties every time you come in the house. Listen, I know that might not be very pastoral. That's what I told him. He said, what? I said, I'm telling you, you won't be able to keep her off of you. I can't wait for a year from now. And I just ran to him again. He said, man, I'm, I'm doing, I'm leading. I, I prayed my wife for the first time the other night. I said, awesome. She was real hesitant. I said, of course she is. She don't trust you right now. He said, man, I got a job, and I wanted to walk out the other day. I said, did you? No. I said, good for you. Welcome to be an adult. You want a cookie? Change your life. Living the day and time of women's revolution. Listen, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way. Even the strongest woman in the world, the greatest leader in the world, wants to look over her husband and know he's leading. You have someone to protect. So men start protecting them. Not only that, and we have a kingdom to advance. Do you realize that we've been left here to carry out the mission of God? Do you realize that we are left on this earth to be representations of him? 
He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our mission. Luke 9, 2 said, when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power. He gave them authority to drive out demons and take care of diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Man, when he had called them together, he gave them power. We have the power of God in us. You have a gifting in you. You have a DNA in you, a makeup in you, a skill set in you. Back to Liam Neeson, I have a very specific skill set. That skill set is to carry out the gospel. Do you know the job of the church? The job of the church is to meet the needs of the community. It's not the government's job to do that. It ain't the government's job to fight addiction. The church ought to... I've always been of the mindset the church ought to get a group of men and just start kicking in some drug dealer's doors and taking care of it. It ain't the foster care... It ain't DFAX's job to take care of the orphans. It's the church's job. It ain't the government's job to feed those who don't have food. It's the church's job to do that. But guess what? Just like with everything, just like in your home, when the man doesn't lead, the wife has to lead. When the church doesn't lead, the government starts to lead. The church in general in America is a joke. Look at the pastors. We got a bunch of prim and proper Manicured, cemetery, I mean seminary degree educated, men leading the church that don't have any clue what's going on in the real world. I just want to meet a pastor one day that I'm like, that dude would whoop my tail. I'm following him. We got a bunch of sissies on stage. So we wonder why we got a bunch of sissies in the crowd. We've got a kingdom to advance. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you. Men, ladies, you should be seeking the will of God in your life. You seek the will of God in your life and everything else will fall into place. The problem is you're building your life around your career. You're building your life around where you like the geography and want to live. Instead of saying, God, where do you want me? Can I be honest with you today? I don't do much right, so I do not want to come across as the guy who has it all together. I've done this right in my life because if it was up to me, I wouldn't be in Canton. I'm just telling you. I have tried to leave this place so many times. I had breakfast with a guy I went to Bible college with Friday morning. He He said, man... We're talking, I'm telling him. He said, why do you stay? I said, because God won't let me leave. I said, I've tried. I said, them crazy people in the ghetto of Canton, they're like my curse. No, I'm just kidding. You're not, but this city is. God's never let me leave, has he? She laughs, and I'm like, now, so now I'm on a nine-year plan. Man, when Luke turns 18, we leaving. I, I beg God. Let me tell you, I beg God. God, I'm at nine years. And I know I'm screwing up because you don't tell God your plans. 
But I'm like, God, nine years, just let me move. I just want to be on the water. I'll start a church in a bar in a beach town, God. It'll be awesome. It just don't work. It's where God wants me. And I've learned this. this is where God wants me. When I lost everything, you're like, you need to move. I said, I can't move. God called me here. I hated going out to eat and walking around town and everybody whispering. It's where God called me. Seek his for You know what? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? All these things have been given to me as a result. I am so blessed. My family is blessed. My finances are blessed. My friendships are blessed. The mentors of my I am blessed that you're in my life. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's because I've sought his kingdom. God, if you want me here as much as I literally don't want to be here, I'll be here. I'm in a position where actually legally I can move now. My son graduates in three weeks. My first two kids, I was divorced, and I couldn't, leave, I couldn't take them away from the area. I, had a, I can leave now. He ain't going to let me leave. Problem is, you don't build your life around where God wants you. You build your life around the life you want. And then wonder why it don't go wrong. God says, when you're to pray... He said, this is prayer. Our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Man, we got a, a kingdom to advance. We're left here to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your ministry. This is your contribution. You're called by Christ to be light of the world. I don't talk religion. Why? Don't talk religion. Talk Jesus. Never understood. We'll talk about the football game around the water cooler. We won't talk about Jesus. I hate talking religion. But I'll talk Jesus all day long. Because I remember what I was before Jesus. I ain't much now, but everything I am is because of Jesus. Man. You ought to be the brightest light in your office. You may be the only spiritual life. I, I tell people all the time. I don't, I, most of you want to... Spencer Nix is the owner of Reformation Brewery. And Spencer was a pastor before he started the brewery. And I tell people all the time, there's nobody making an impact for the kingdom of Christ in Cherokee County like Spencer. And here's why I believe that. Because he's running one of the most successful companies in our county... And he operates it with Christian integrity and Christian testimony. And people watch his marriage, and they watch how he raises his children, and they see how he conducts business. And he's not shoving Jesus down people's throat, but he's being a light that points people to Jesus every time he makes a move. It's funny. If you say, man, you're the community pastor. I say, no, 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 no. He's the community pastor. It's easy to be the pastor when you have a church, it's why when you come to my events, I try to operate with integrity with my vendors and try to operate integrity with the people that are working for me. I try to operate with integrity when I'm dealing with the cities, when I'm dealing with the police officers, because I want people to know, man, man, there's something different about the way that guy does business. Yeah, the way I do business, I do it because I have Christ in me. That doesn't mean I'm going to let you walk all over me. doesn't mean I'm going to submit to everything you say. But when I disagree with you, I'm going to come to you with respect, and I'm going to handle it like a warrior, like a man. 
Some of you, man, had the greatest influence you could ever have in the business world, and you're too ashamed of Jesus to talk about it. You have a kingdom to advance. You're left here for that. That's why I volunteer through the church. That's why we give through the church. That's why we move together through the church. We're better together. You think we could have the impact on this community if it was just me? No. It's you and me and us. You think I could feed hundreds of families at Thanksgiving by myself on Facebook? No. You guys do that. You guys collect pajamas. You guys do whatever it is we do. We're better together. We advance the kingdom. And you don't advance. I never understood when church like, we're going on a spiritual retreat. We don't retreat. We're the army of God. We advance. I don't go on retreats. I go on advancements. I'm going away. I got to go away soon. Plan my next three months. I think that's an advancement. I go ready with a when I'm effective, I go away with a game plan. Christina tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna handle this, 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 this. I'm gonna go get out. I don't know, for me it's nature. I'm gonna go out and sit by the river and I'm gonna do things. We advance. Last and I'm done, we gotta get out of here. We all have a battle to win. In life, there's winners and there's losers. And we need to win. Here's the problem with us as men. Deep in our soul, we know we were created to fight. Deep in our soul, it's why guys join motorcycle gangs and they join clubs because they want to belong. Men have something in them just deep that's tribal in our nature. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. The problem is, When we don't engage in the right things, we engage in the wrong things. When we're not fighting for the right things, we're going to fight, but we're going to fight the wrong things. Some of you have been fighting against authority your whole life. Ain't nobody going to tell me what today. Stay out of my life. I got this. Fighting against authority. Some of you, you're not fighting the right things, so what you do is you fight against your wife. I say that. Why are you always riding me? Why are you giving her something to ride? Do right. Never mind. <laughs> we fight against the people who are trying to help us the most. What happened? The problem is somewhere along the way you had a kingdom to advance and you got distracted. Can I tell you one of the greatest distractions for some of you? And I'm guilty of this from time to time too. Politics. I had a mentor get on me the other day about it. He said, Man, you got it. He said, You ever see me engage in that? I said, No, but I ain't you. He's right. He's like, You're right. I'm more successful than you. I was like, That's the way I interpreted what he said. I don't think he said it quite like that. You got distracted. You were called to more in life than sitting on a sofa. You were called more than being great at golf. Nothing wrong with golf. 
called more than building your life around a softball team. You're called more than having a nice car, a nice house, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I love my cars. I love my house. But don't get distracted. That's not the goal. Those are just the benefits sometimes of putting, seeking his kingdom first. Psalms 144.1 says, Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. Let me tell you something. Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. And if you don't believe that in the society we live in, I don't know what to tell you. I told a buddy of mine that I said, in 25 years, the church in America will be gone. He said, what? I said, look at Europe. Christianity's always been about three decades behind Europe, and there hasn't been church in Europe in general, church in Europe in 20 years, 10 years, 15 years. We're already seeing it. The church became a business, and so now we build businesses. People will sour on the businesses, and they'll quit going. There will always be a remnant. Make no mistake about it. But may I also let you know, we no longer live in a Christian country. First of all, I don't know that we ever lived in a Christian country. But we're to live as Christians in this country. Man. Some of you need to slay the dragon in your life. Some of you need to say, man, today I'm going to realize I'm going to start fighting today for my finances. Where I can live the life God created me. I'm going to start fighting for my marriage. I'm going to start fighting. Here's the problem, man. Once you've been beat up so much, you think you can't get out of it. Let me make this clear. You're not going to get out of debt in three months, what took you 20 years to get into. You're not going to lose the weight you gained over 10 years in 90 days. Hey, you're not going to restore your marriage that you neglected for 13 years in six months. Battle. We need to understand something. Victory isn't always what you conquer later. Victory isn't always what you... And that's what we tend to do is, man, what's next? What's next? What's next? Victory is being faithful and obedient today. Today, I'm going to work on my finances. Today, I'm going to start exercising. Today, I'm going to turn the TV off and pour into my wife. Today, I'm going to pour into my children. Tomorrow's a new day, and I'm going to do it again. Let me tell you, let me tell you a sign that an addict's not going to get clean. You ready? I'm never going to do drugs again. No, they're going to relapse. The ones that tell me, I'm going to try to get through today. I dig those. Good. Get through today. Celebrate that victory today. Then get up tomorrow and do it again. That's the unglamorous part. That's the part that's not fun. But God called us to be a warrior. I'm telling you, we need some warriors. We're going to get way deeper into this over the coming weeks. Let's pray.